Hey there, this is Clay with ModernLove.Life, where we help you get the great loving relationship that you want without having to play mind games, without having to play hard to get, and without having to pretend to be someone or something that you are not, because I believe that you deserve to be loved for who you are. And if you believe the same thing, do me a favor and hit that like button and subscribe to this channel if you are not subscribed already. Um, also, today we're talking about emotional unavailability again. So if you want to learn how to really work on your own emotional unavailability, because if you tend to be drawn towards emotionally unavailable people, you might have an issue with that yourself, um, you might want to check out our free class called, uh, you know, the, the five upgrades to your love operating system. You can find that over at modernlove.life slash class. Link to that down in the description. Um, but today we're talking about signs of emotional unavailability. I've got six signs for you today. Probably would have been cooler if it was seven, but uh, hey, six is all I've got. So um, emotional unavailability. First sign that somebody is emotionally unavailable is if they do not have a lot of time in their history of being you know, single. They just kind of went from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship and so on. And uh, this lets you know that this is a person that does rebound relationships. And of course, as we've been talking about for the past, uh, I don't know, like week and a half or so, um, rebound relationships are really a symptom of emotional unavailability. In case you missed that whole series, I'll put a card up there to the playlist on uh, rebound relationships. And so as somebody doesn't take time between their, uh, their relationships and they just go from one relationship to the next to the next to the next, that's really a sign that they are not going through the healing process and they're not actually taking the steps to step into emotional availability, okay? And of course, if you start to turn emotional unavailability, which is like a totally normal thing that happens after a breakup, if you start to turn it into a habitual pattern, it can cement itself in place as more of a long-term emotional unavailability. And that's something that's kind of problematic. So that's the first sign. The second sign is that, is that this person might still be hung up on their ex. And I don't necessarily mean that they're, you know, lovesick for their ex or anything like that. Obviously, that is a sign of emotional unavailability. But it could be um, anything where their emotional energy is still entwined up in some sort of relationship with their ex. You know, maybe they complain about their ex a lot. Maybe they talk about how their ex was a jerk or how their ex never did this or how their ex always did that or something like that. And this just shows you that a lot of their energy is still caught up in their ex, even if they're you know, talking about how awful their ex was. And you know, of course, if you're gonna date somebody who has had a previous relationship in one form or another, the topic of their ex will probably come up. Um, but you know, there's a very big difference between saying like, you know, yeah, my, my ex was like this versus like, oh man, I, I hate my ex. My ex was always doing this. I, I'm like, you're so much better than my ex and all that. And again, that's just kind of that whole uh, rebound relationship um, mentality, which again, we'll talk about over in that playlist that's up in that video card. The third sign of a rebound relationship is that, or not rebound relationship, what am I saying? The third sign of emotional unavailability is that somebody is in a validation seeking mindset. And I know this can be really hard to pinpoint, especially if you're just getting to know somebody, but 
um, you know, you have to look at somebody's behaviors, somebody's intentions behind doing things, um, little things that people do to kind of let you know if they are validation seeking. You know, so um, a validation seeking person, again, this is part of that video that we talked about many weeks ago on the validation trap. Throw a video card up for that over there. But when somebody is in, in the validation trap, when they're seeking validation from someone else, they're not able to be fully present with you emotionally because their mind is at least partially trying to seek validation by saying like, oh, hey, if I'm with an attractive woman like you, that makes me the man. Or hey, if I'm with an attractive guy like you, that must mean that my ex was wrong for breaking up with me. Or, you know, whatever it might be. Like, hey, if I can actually date someone like you, that means that my mom will finally get off my case about getting married and settling down. And so, as long as somebody's mind or their energy is feeding into this validation-seeking behavior, they're not going to be 100% present to be able to have a uh, great relationship with you, which means they're going to be a little bit emotionally unavailable. And so that's definitely the third sign of emotional unavailability. The fourth sign is that they are um, hung up on ideals. Okay, so uh, this, is, this is kind of a, a, a weird little tangent here, but so um, some of you may know that my wife and I spent a year living in Asia. And during that time, we kind of got sucked into this Korean TV show called My Love from the Star. And um, it's definitely a dramatic TV show, but um, I'm not going to spoil it for you here, but, but one of the characters named Chun Sung Yi, she had her life saved by a mysterious stranger when she was a teenager. And she has never been able to commit to a relationship or have a boyfriend or fall in love or anything because she was waiting for this mysterious stranger to come back into her life so that she could um, you know, love him and be in a relationship with him. And obviously this is an extreme example, but this is kind of what it's like to be more invested in an ideal than you are in with people actually in front of you. You know, another maybe more well-known example would be um, Mindy Kaling's characters that she's played on some TV shows like The Office or uh, The Mindy Project. You know, somebody who's like really playing into that romantic comedy uh, script of, you know, like, oh, hey, I'm going to, like, fall in love with this person in the big city, and then we're going to get swept off our feet and everything. And, like, if you're, if you're attached to that ideal or, you know, any kind of ideal, whether it's, um, you know, being drawn to a certain type of person or whether it's being uh, in a certain type of relationship or something like that, that is going to make you at least a little bit emotionally unavailable um, because you're your energy is invested in trying to make things seem or look a certain way. And when you're trying to make things seem or look a certain way, where your energy is not, is it is not in the present moment, it is not with the person that you are with, and you're just really kind of comparing things and saying, okay, this isn't like that, so I'm gonna get rid of this, or this isn't like that, therefore I'm gonna like look for more signs that either it is or it isn't or something like that. And so. This is, this is a definitely a sign of uh, emotional unavailability here. The fifth sign that we got here is hot and cold behavior. Um, typically, this will express itself with things such as fast forwarding, you know, where, where when you first get together or when things are good, 
you tend to move very quickly through things that would organically in a normal dynamic take you know months or years or something like that. This is where that displacement that we've talked about in the past couple of videos comes into play where um, you know, as an example, in a rebound relationship, you know, maybe you're up here in a relationship with your ex and then you break up and then you uh, start dating someone else, it's a rebound relationship, and then you start to escalate that relationship to the same level of commitment, whether that was living together, um, talking about marriage, uh, doing other serious kinds of things. Um, that is a form of fast forwarding because you're trying to create the new relationship such that it looks like or is similar to the previous relationship, okay? That's the fast-forwarding aspect of the hot and cold. And then there's the cold side of it where you, um, or the, the unavailable person, will do a sharp pullback, a sharp pull away, okay? And uh, this can take the form of, you know, ghosting, suddenly dropping off the face of the earth, suddenly having a million and one excuses, um, all sorts of things like that. Basically just putting the foot on the brake to keep things from advancing forward in one form or another. And uh, often emotionally unavailable people have this, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold kind of behavior that goes on and on. And um, the reason why is when they are hot, they are projecting their own ideals about what the ideal relationship or what the ideal partner is gonna be on you. And so they're moving fast towards that, right? But then once the situation starts to get real, once they start to see that you know, you're an imperfect person, it's an imperfect relationship just like all people in all relationships are, that's when they pull back because again, they're invested in the ideals of you know, whatever their own personal psychology desires and all that stuff might look like. But the hot and cold behavior is definitely a sign of emotional unavailability. The sixth one is flakiness and breadcrumbs. Um, so oftentimes because of the hot and cold behavior, emotionally unavailable people may sometimes be flaky. They may talk a good talk, but then when it comes to following through on it, they may not actually do that. They may disappoint you. And it's through this disappointment that they are able to most likely unconsciously keep you strung along uh, by, by offering small breadcrumbs, you know, instead of actually committing to you, they might agree to go out on a date with you and actually show up, right? And it's through this process that you actually start to lower your standards because, you know, you're, you're just so disappointed by the flakiness of the past. You're so um, self-critical, so self-conscious, like, oh, why, why did that happen? Is it something I did or something like that? And as this happens, your standards start to lower. And so they can kind of string you along with very small amounts of things, basically breadcrumbs, right? When actually what you want is like, as an example, a committed relationship. But really it's just like, oh yeah, well, you know, we can spend the weekend together or something like that. Or we can, uh, or I'll text you back. I will actually text you back or something like that, right? And um, I believe that for most emotionally unavailable, uh, most un emotionally unavailable people, um, this is going on unconsciously. I do not believe that they are intentionally doing this to you, um, except for the most malicious and evil of them out there. But I think most emotionally unavailable people are unconsciously doing this to you. Um, yeah, so those are our six signs of emotional unavailability. I wish I had a seventh one that kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit better. If you have a seventh 
sign of emotional unavailability, please leave it in the comments down below uh, so we can kind of round out the list. Um, anyway, once again, thank you so much for watching this video. If you like what we're doing, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel if you are not already, and check out our free class over at modernlove.life slash class. With that being said, let's jump to the chat section and see what people are talking about. Jeff says, hello. Hi there, Jeff. Um, how do I get an emotionally unavailable man to, I guess, come back to me? Okay, yeah. So if you were to look at this from an attachment theory point of view, um, it is my belief that avoidance and anxious attachment styles are both emotionally unavailable to a certain aspect. They're just kind of different ends of the same polarity. Um, so the classical emotionally unavailable man who, you know, kind of dips in and out of your life, that's kind of the avoidant attachment style. And um, oftentimes when you pursue the avoidant, that's just going to cause them to uh, pull back even further, right? So the best way to get an emotionally unavailable man to come back to you is to not pursue him and to instead just create space. Just create space for him to come back when he starts to feel like it, okay? Now, this would be how you would do that, but kind of the question beneath the surface on this is, are you sure you want an emotionally unavailable man to come back to you? Are you sure you want somebody who, when things get intense, when things start to warm up, when things start to actually, you know, start to fall into place, his response is going to be to pull away, to distance himself, to run away. Uh, that is a question that only you can answer, but I hope that you would want to be in a relationship with somebody who is emotionally available. Here comes the elbow and the ribs there, you know. Um, but again, this is your life to live, and if that's how you want to live your life, then go for it, because my belief is that you have to accept somebody as they are, and if he's emotionally unavailable, then you have to accept him as an emotionally unavailable man, which means that you will, as long as you continue to interact with him, date him and all that stuff, you will continue to have to deal with the consequences of him being an emotionally unavailable man. That is to say, all of the things that we've talked about, him flitting in and out of your life, um, hot and cold behavior, mixed messages, all of that stuff. And if that's okay with you, fine, go for it. But if you've decided that you want more, that you love yourself enough to have somebody in your life who's not going to do that, who actually is emotionally available, elbow, um, then maybe you might want to consider pursuing a relationship with somebody else. But that is how you would get an emotionally unavailable man to come back. Um, you know, just let him think he's missing out. Um, what to do if my ex has suddenly stopped responding uh, to all of my messages. Okay, yeah, so there could be a lot of reasons for this. Um, number one is they have decided that being in contact with you is not good for them for any number of reasons. You know, maybe they just want to have a sharp boundary between you and them. Maybe um, interactions with you have not been feeling good on an emotional level, so they're stopping it. Maybe they have started to date somebody else and they're trying to give that new relationship a chance even though it's probably a rebound relationship. Uh, you know, they may not watch things like this channel and so they may not know what they're walking into. Um, they might have, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, they might have lost your contact information or something. Like I got a new phone 
um, a couple years back, and they were like trying to transfer all the data over. And when it went through, it's like, oh, hey, like half of the phone numbers in my contact thing are like totally gone. And so I need to like reach out to people and be like, hey, what's your phone number again? And it, that can happen. Um, it could be like any number of things. It could be that they're just suddenly under a lot of stress, temporary stress from something that's going on in their life, maybe a work deadline, some sort of family drama. Maybe they're on vacation. Oftentimes, people will become very concerned when the person that they're seeing or their ex or the person that they're in a relationship with suddenly stops responding when they're on vacation. And it's not because that person doesn't care. It's because they're mind is elsewhere. It's because they are, at least temporarily speaking, emotionally unavailable to connect with you because they're in a new environment. They're trying to see all the sites. They're, there's like a time difference. There's jet lag. They're, they're, they don't have the time and energy to sit down and do all these text messages when they're trying to go out and do all these other things, right? Like whenever I travel, I always have this romantic notion that I'll get to the hotel or something and then I'll be able to sit down and get some work done on my computer. But what, I, but what always happens every single time is I show up at the hotel, all I want to do is just like veg out because I'm t exhausted from traveling or to just go get something to eat. And what usually happens is I get absolutely nothing done. Um, and so it can be kind of like that when it comes to, you know, somebody who is not responding to you while traveling. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like totally a lot of different reasons why they may not be responding to you. It's really impossible to, to, to identify that. But what you can do if they don't respond to you is, number one, you can look at how you've been contacting them in the past. And if there's anything that is coming across the wrong way or is leaving a bad impression, you know, as you put yourself in an empathic state of mind, as you put yourself in their shoes and start to see your text messages from their perspective, and you're like, oh, I get it, that came across as kind of demanding. Oh, I get it, that came across as kind of needy. You know, you can start to change your approach. And the, the second thing is you can just understand that, okay, maybe they're just not open to texting me for the time being. I'm not gonna obsess about it. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not gonna overanalyze it. I'm going to go out there and live the best version of my life and maybe I'll try again later, okay? But the more you invest in all of this stuff happening, the, the more you're going to empower your own uh, inner critic, your own limiting beliefs, your own what we call the BS machine, the part of your mind that goes and fills in the blanks of your experience with uh, BS thoughts, basically projections of your own insecurities, doubts, and fears and it's going to make meaning out of things that are un-understandable, right? So it's not possible for you to fully understand why your ex stopped texting you back, you know, unless you were to like run across her and like pry open her brain and look at all of her private thoughts or something like that. Um, you're not gonna know why this happened. And so you can either just spend your time neurotically analyzing everything, like, oh, was it something I said? Was it something I did? What's wrong with me? Did I, like, I, I, I thought I did this the right way. Like, did I forget something? Like, you could do that, or you can just be like, you know what? I did my best to contact her, and she just wasn't open to it, so I'm just going to go forward and live my life. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to have a great weekend. I'm going to do things that I love doing, and, um, you know, maybe later I'll, I'll check in with her again. And if she's not open, then, hey, whatever. But if she is open, then, then that's cool. So you want to stop investing your energy into overanalyzing things that most likely are not going to actually help you. And you want to 
Focus on living your best life right now. Okay. Uh, can I kill my ex? I'm going to recommend that you don't do that because that's probably against the law. But uh, again, your actions are your choices and you have to own them 100%. Mike's appears to literally be in response mode. I, uh, he always, he has always, he was always so open to the past and so pretended and so interested, sorry guys, having a weird contact lens day. Um, my ex appears to, let's start this one over again. My ex appears to literally be in response mode. He was always so open in the past and so interested in me, but since the breakup, he only responds. How can we get past this? So if I'm understanding this right, your frustration is that you are doing 100% of the initiating and he is not doing the initiating. But he is responding to you when you initiate. Uh, first of all, I did make a video on this. I will put a video card to that up there. Go check that out. Um, but the important thing here is that, and, and I see this so often with a lot of women, is that they get hung up on whether a guy is initiating or not as an indicator of whether or not he is interested or not. Okay, and. This is, this is honestly kind of an arbitrary thing. Um, what matters the most is whether you are having positive interactions that bring you closer together regardless of who is initiating, okay? Uh, keeping score over who is initiating is exactly that. It's keeping score. Um, and the interesting thing about keeping score is whenever you keep score, you always come out the winner and the other person always comes out the loser. Now, why is that? It's because there are probably other countless things that we do that we could come out the loser on if we were to keep score of it. But we're choosing to ignore those because they, those don't make us feel good. And so we laser focus in on the things where it's like, oh yeah, I'm coming out the winner because I'm contacting more often than not, um, more often than they are. But you know, you could be totally neglecting the fact that, you know, yeah, he, he helped you do this thing the other, the other weekend or, or whatever, right? And so what's important is not who is initiating contact, but whether or not the contact that is happening is actually bringing the two of you closer together. Now, beyond that, if this is like still something that you're not able to let go of, you have to accept him as he is and say, hey, that's the kind of person that's not going to initiate contact with me. Can I accept this? If the answer is no, then you have to let him go and find somebody who is going to initiate contact with you. Um, but if the answer is, you know, hey, who initiates contact ultimately is not that important. What is most important is that we're having great high quality connections because you do not want to misinterpret who is initiating contact as a sign that the connection is strong, um, as a sign that they're attracted to you, as a sign that anything is going to happen. All it means is that somebody is initiating contact. It, 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 it speaks nothing to their intention. It speaks nothing to the quality of the connection. It speaks nothing to anything like that. It just says that, hey, somebody picked up their phone and sent me a message. That's it. And if you try and make it mean something more than that, you can quickly go down a very dark road. That's going to make you resentful. That's going to make you uh, over-analytical. That's going to make you very neurotic. That's going to pull you into some really weird ways of thinking. But again, 
my recommendation is that you do not pay attention to who is contacting so much as you pay attention to the quality of the connection that you are having when contact is being made. Okay, guys, so thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm going to wrap this up here. I'm probably going to spend this weekend watching my love from the star. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for watching. Please do me a favor by giving this video a thumbs up and subscribing if you are not already. And I will talk to you again uh, next week.